Hello, 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 everybody. Welcome back for another installment of Krause's Corner. Thank you so much for being here. I am Dirk Krause, and as always, I am your host, and we are sponsored by Piano and Guitar Institute. Check them out. Find them online. Find them on all the social platforms. They have amazing tuition specials. You don't want to miss out. All right, counterculture of the decades moving on up and we are now finally getting to gosh is it my just my favorite decade or is it everybody's favorite decade who knows there have been studies done and over the last 40 years the 80s consistently come up as everybody's favorite decade Oh my gosh, for those of us that came of age in the 80s, did we have a blast. If I mentioned parachute pants, you know exactly what I'm talking about if you are a child of the 80s. But that's not what we're going to talk about today. We are talking about the countercultures and the music those countercultures created and the basically the countercultures the music created. So we have had so much fun. 60s and 70s were a great time. Metal came out in the 70s. Uh, punk rock came out in the 70s. Disco came out in the 70s. Well, now we have got the 80s. Punk and disco lasted, what, maybe a year? <laughs> They're still out there, I suppose. I mean, even Kiss did a disco record, right? Um, but with the 80s, there comes a whole slew of new genres. Most importantly, though, is probably the development of the synthesizer. Um, the Yamaha DX7 was one of the first really crazy awesome synthesizers that could do all sorts of things. We also had the uh, invention of MIDI. Uh, I don't know if MIDI was actually invented in the 80s, but it really started to be used in the 80s. MIDI is a way for computers to talk to your synthesizers and synthesizers to talk to your computers. Um, super cool tool when it came to recording, when it came to composing. Um, it also allowed artists to have what they called a brain keyboard and then through midi they could play they could control all sorts of keyboards with the brain and it was really it was so much fun you would see these uh keyboards like steve Wynn would be on stage with six seven keyboards um the keyboardist doug johnson for Loverboy, um he would have again five six seven keyboards he would just be surrounded by keyboards getty lee of rush had keyboard after keyboard up there um and essentially they would all be controlled by what was called the brain so the synthesizers really changed the sound of a lot of music now what came of the music well we had a couple of genres that were pretty similar in my opinion, um, but they were relatively new. One was dance music, which in my opinion was a little heavier on the drums, a little heavier on the bass. And at the same time came New Wave. Now New Wave really made use of the synthesizers. Okay, New Wave, I would think of Bands like Oingo Boingo, uh, Danny Elfman was like a big, in my opinion, kind of a new wave guy. Dance music, I would think, was more along the lines of The Cult, um, uh, or not The Cult, The Cure. Um, 
trying to think. I wasn't. I didn't listen to a whole lot of that that genre, so I'm not real familiar. But obviously, um, those were two genres that came out due to the synthesizer. Um, then the other big diversification of music in the '80s was the the dividing metal into all of these crazy categories. Um, so back in the '70s, we had. What do we have? Like Zeppelin, Sabbath, um, Deep Purple. Gosh, White Snake started in the 70s. Iron Maiden started in the 70s. Um, a lot of these bands, but they were all just under one umbrella that was called heavy metal. Come early 80s, you get bands like Motley Crue, uh, Poison, Cinderella, Rat. Iron Maiden started to really make it big in the 80s. Um, and so with these different bands, you had different types of metal. Now, whether these classifications that I'm going to throw at you, um, you agree with or don't agree with, um, that's fine. But you have to uh, appreciate the fact that there is different sounds um, in a lot of these bands. For example early Metallica. Okay. I'm talking like seek and destroy, um, ride the lightning, those albums, those albums sound very different than the Motley Crue album or the rat album that was released at the same time, which then sounds also different from the Iron Maiden album that was released at the same time. So right around the early eighties, you've got bands like Metallica doing ride the lightning, uh, uh, seek and what was that? Seek and destroy as maybe it was called seek and destroy. Um, and then you've got, and those were super drum, double bass heavy. Uh, the bass guitar was a huge part, just super crazy fast. Um, called that like thrash metal, death metal. I mean, there was a lot of terms running around in the 80s for that. Then at the exact same time, you had like Motley Crue releasing uh, Too Fast for Love and Shout at the Devil. Those sounded very, very different. Vince Neil's voice was much different than Ulrich's voice. It was higher. Um, the text of the music was very, very different. Um, the bass guitar was obviously still there. The, the drum was still there, but it was much more guitar heavy um, and then vocal heavy. Then lastly, you've got Iron Maiden. And at that time was their first three albums looking at like um, Iron Maiden and Killers, of course. But that was early, early, like late 70s. You've got uh, Number of the Beast and Power Slave. I think Power Slave was 84. So you've got Iron Maiden. Now there's a third sound. Okay, so what what would you call this? Like I would call the Motley Crue, the Poison, the Rat, kind of like that hair metal or glam rock or glam metal. I would call the early Metallica days more of a thrash metal. And I would call the Iron Maiden of the world just your good old fashioned heavy metal. Um, and then, of course, you've got Van Halen. Now, where do they fit? Because they're obviously guitar based. I mean, one of the greatest guitarists in the world played for Van. Oh, yeah, his name was Eddie, right? Eddie Van Halen, God rest his soul. Um, but seriously, was that heavy metal? That's a great question and a topic for another podcast. But for now, we are going to put Van Halen, even the early stuff, Van Halen 1, like Eruption. And and I think Ain't Talking About Love was on VH2. I mean, we are looking at basically hard rock. 
right? Is it really, truly heavy metal? I don't know. Maybe Van Halen morphed into hard rock. Maybe they began as heavy metal. Um, but that's that's for a whole whole nother day. So you've got the the diversification of metal. And from that, you've got different groups of kids. You've got um, you've got the glam rockers, you've got the stoners, you've got the metal heads, um, and they kind of were all listened to, to different music. It was amazing to, to run around the high school and just see this group of kids in their jeans jackets and cut up jeans listening to Motley Crue, and then the leather jacket wearing dudes were all listening to Metallica, and then you've got um, the metal heads weren't really that different from the glam rockers. They just didn't have the holes in their jeans, you know? Um, it just very subtle differences. But again, just like in the 50s and the 60s and the 70s, young adults, primarily male, but obviously not always, um, they would kind of diversify and, and, and defi define themselves in these little cliques. And they listen to very specific types of music. Um, just because you liked early Metallica, didn't mean you didn't like Motley Crue or Iron Maiden, but they were at the time very different styles of music. And then, of course, you also had dance music and new wave music, maybe even early techno, um, late 80s, mid 80s. You know, you've got the Run DMC rap becomes a big deal, um, which creates a whole nother culture. Uh, the 80s was just an explosion of different genres um what was it 50 60 70 years ago they split open the atom and a whole bunch of crap fell out i feel like that's kind of how the 80s is described right we've got this phenomenal base this phenomenal foundation whether it's country whether it's uh rock whether it's metal whether it's guitar bass whether it's the hammond b3 organ bass whatever you want to call it there was psychedelic music in the 60s and 70s there was metal in the 60s and 70s there was country in the 60s and 70s there was disco there was punk i mean we had all of these different genres and we get to the 80s and every single one of those genres kind of tentacled out and 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 created six more genres um just absolutely fantastic decade for music country started to get a little heavier they started to um lean away from some of the whiny uh country from the 60s and 70s dolly parton went pop on us with a, a song called nine to five um it's just it's just it's crazy when you think about how many different genres of music came of it now the counterculture okay we talked a little bit about the the metal side but what about the the dance music and the new wave what was going on there do you remember i mentioned alluded to i guess mentioned parachute pants there at the beginning of the of the podcast but do you remember uh, nicholas cage's one of his if not his very first movie it was called valley girl do you remember frank zappa wrote a song called valley girl yeah you haven't thought of the valley girl culture for quite some time there was even a tv show that lasted i think like one episode called valley girl and they had not only an entire way of dressing collars up uh, too much makeup on the girls and even a little bit of makeup on the guys spiked hair lots of hairspray and I'm not talking metalhead hairspray I'm talking just good old-fashioned 80s aquanet hairspray 
um, they had their own language. <laughs> I mean, words like bitchin' and trippendicular. I mean, <laughs> who uses that, right? <laughs> so anyways, you've got these countercultures that listened to certain types of music. And the Valley Girls and Valley Dudes, I guess they were called, they had their own uh, uh, music. People like the Flock of Seagulls. Uh, remember Flock of Seagulls, lead singer with that awesome hair? Um, the Plimsolls, they were actually featured in the movie Valley Girl. Um, they were just this pop rock type stuff. Um, they weren't necessarily guitar based. They weren't necessarily synthesizer or keyboard based. Um, they were just a, a good old fashioned upbeat, happy-go-lucky pop rock. And in that vein, if I were to ask you what song spent the most weeks at number one in the 80s, would you have an answer? I mean, of course, you're going to go straight to Michael Jackson, right? Thriller, the best, greatest selling album of all time. I mean, of course, it was Thriller, right? Nope, not, not, no. Nope. It was a song called Physical by uh, Olivia Newton-John. Can you believe that craziness? Um, but yeah, the 80s created so many different flavors of metalheads, so many different ways to uh, dress with hairspray and collars up and parachute pants and jeans with holes, jeans without holes. Um, the jeans jacket became kind of like this fashion thing. Um, jeans jackets like came in all, all sorts of colors. It was absolutely crazy. Uh, I remember seeing like parachute pants that looked like you spilled 14 cans of brightly colored paint all over them. Uh, it was just absolutely nuts. Neon became a huge deal. Um, and that is because of all the all of the different types of music, all of the different things that started showing up. Now, what prompted all these changes? Who knows? But one argument can be made. MTV 1981 we as a general public get access to our favorite rock stars not access like today with facebook and twitter and instagram but we got to watch videos and we got to see all of our rock stars either it was a live video on stage or they told a story or whatever but videos became huge right all of a sudden we felt like we knew the artist we felt like oh my gosh this is so cool um yeah, it just, the, every single genre split off into six, seven, eight different variables. And each one of those had their own kind of culture, uh, different ways of dressing, different ways of speaking. Um, like I said earlier, we've got all the different types of metalheads. You've got the Valley Girl. You've got the punk rockers in the 80s. It kind of morphed into more of a what they called new wave or dance music. Um, you had soft rock, glam rock. I mentioned that the FM DJ becomes huge and you've got the AOL, uh, album oriented listening, like all these, uh, bands, um, like Chicago. I know Chicago was around the seventies, but then Chicago in the eighties became this kind of album oriented band that just their big deal was playing the entire album. Um, so much happened in the eighties. Holy cow. I can't even, I'm sure I've left out 
half of it. Um, but between Michael Jackson, Madonna, Madonna created, you could argue Madonna created her own counterculture. You look at the way she dressed and then all of the girls that tried to dress like her, you can argue Madonna single-handedly created her own counterculture. Uh, and obviously Madonna, her influences probably are more, are people like Cher. Um, you go back to the female, uh, strong female artists of the, of the sixties and seventies, Dolly Parton, Cher, uh, probably influenced Madonna who then I'm sure influenced people like Britney or Beyonce. I mean, you've got huge, the, the, the female rockers starting to become a big deal. Look at Lita Ford, um, bands like Vixen and Femme Fatale. You've got so much, so much going on. Anyways, guys, um, thank you so much for listening. And I would just like to leave you this one kind of final thought, something to ponder. And that is, imagine if all we had was one style of metal, one style of country, one style of disco, one style of punk and one style of psychedelic. It'd be kind of a boring life, right? Music would get real old real fast, but no, we are lucky to have all of those split off into a whole bunch of sub genres. Thanks guys so much for listening. My name is Dirk Krause, host of Krause's Corner. We will talk to you next week. Mm -hmm.